Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to episode nine of Who To Be A Podcast. My name is Raj Baines. I am your host as always. And joining me is lovely Rory Benson. How's it going? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not, not too bad. If we just quickly explain why it's coming on a Thursday and hasn't been on Monday and everything, I'm in and out of the office these next two weeks, as we explained on the last one. So this these two weeks are going to be a bit different there's going to be a podcast this week on this thursday the one you're listening to now and there'll be one on tuesday next week um not on the monday which is a bank holiday and not on the thursday because i'm not here the week after that we'll be back to normal so there we go uh just to remove any doubt of which there was some if social media said anything to go by b52 still about Rather than running through the usual script, Rory, you actually bought one as we learned last Did, time. Yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was nice, mate. Had it on the way uh, on the train to Edgebaston uh, to watch the cricket, and it was uh, nice. Probably the highlight of the day actually, because the cricket was so dull because the West Indies are so bad. But and you had to spend time in Birmingham. And I had to spend time in Birmingham, as well, <laughs> which is not something that I'd wish on my uh, my mortal enemy. No, it was, no, it was good. Yeah, beer good, cricket good. Birmingham. Excellent. Um, £24 a case normally, you only pay, what, £5.95? £5.95, yeah. Yeah, so you just pay for postage. If you use the code Huddersfield on beer52.com, you get all your craft beers and you can get drunk like Rory did in the cricket. It, cricket was probably good, Rory was probably just too hammered to remember probably, it. Probably, yeah, ball. <laughs> um If we move on, you have just got back from the pre-Southampton press conference. Correct. How was it? What was Wagner like? Jonas Lossel was there, was he in good form as well? Yeah, it was um, It was interesting actually because it's, I think now we get into the season, the, the sort of the media thins out a little bit. There wasn't that many people there today. But no, it was it was good. Um, obviously playing last night, there was a bit of talk about Rotherham and that result. David Wagner seemed pleased that they were in the cup, although it wasn't how town probably would have wanted it. Um, but yeah, no, the... the both of them are in good spirits. Jonas Lossel spoke about watching the Mayweather-McGregor fight this weekend uh, and that kind of stuff. So, no, it was a, it was a good good press conference. And, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think they're both both of them looking forward to the game this weekend. And what did he, what was he backing? Mayweather-McGregor? Mayweather. But he, 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 smart said, man. he said he didn't know anything about boxing, but he just thought because he was... Neither does Conor McGregor, win. though. So that's... Yeah. <laughs> If we stick to football, though, we get told off if we go off course. So we'll we'll try and behave ourselves uh, this time around. Two new signings in the past two days. First one, Abdel Hamid Sabiri, who's come from Nuremberg, attacking midfielder. It was a gap there. We've discussed it before. Number 10 with Palmer and Inter occasionally drifting over. He started there against Newcastle, which we'll come on to. But a natural player, natural playmaker, goal-scoring playmaker, Looks yeah. exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
what David Wagner said in the press conference today was that he wanted another natural number 10 and that's what he's got obviously Tom Ince played there against Newcastle and played pretty well um, but David Wagner made it clear that he saw him as a winger and he wanted one player for every position in the number 10 role you can't have too many players who can play there because they all offer different sort of attacking threats so to have two out and out number 10s there as well as Tom Ince, Elias Kachunga can play there if needs be. Uh, Aaron Moy can even play there as well. So, no, it bodes well for Town, and, and he looks like a good prospect going forward. I think the fans from what from what we saw yesterday, because he was introduced to the fans there uh, afterwards, he stayed for about two hours, just signing autographs outside, which was which was nice to see. So, hopefully, uh, he can hit the ground running for Town. And although he's not going to be, or David Wagner said he probably won't be involved this weekend. Um, he's going to give him the international break to get up to speed but hopefully we see the best out of him pretty soon weeks worth of double training to get him in wide yeah, fitness um, it's good to hear him sort of getting on board with fans already I think the thing that won me over straight away was on HTTV saying that his favourite Premier League player was Colin Kwana fantastic line I think we're all in that boat with uh, with Sabiri today's signing one that we'd heard about through the week on loan. Is it with an intention to yeah, buy? Yeah, with an option to buy at the end. Because they didn't say it on the club website, so it was just um make sure we make it obvious because yeah. the club hadn't. Um, Florent Hedegenai. Yes. Am I right? Yeah, good good uh, pronunciation there. Like Excellent. It. I've been practising that. Um, right back, push Tommy Smith. Yeah, I'm in the bag. We can finally draw a line under... Crack open the beers, yeah. mate. Crack them open, yeah. No, he, he again, he's one that David Wagner spoke about today. He said he's one he's been tracking for about six months, maybe a bit more. So he's obviously a player he rates. It makes it sound really as high. if he's been like, outside his house. In the yeah. Bushes, <laughs> yeah. Like that him. No, but yeah, he said uh, there was a, load of, a lot of interest from um, a few sides, mostly in the Bundesliga. Uh, so I think it's a bit of a scalp for, for Town to, to bring him in. Um, and hopefully he can push Tommy Smith because that's what they've been missing for well, last season at least, and, and into this season. So hopefully draw a line under it and we've got two right-backs now. Uh, if you're a geek like me and you keep sort of squad depth charts in your notebooks, these two signings have made me very happy because the one air, the two areas sorry, that haven't had two recognised players in at least were right-back and number 10. They were mm-hmm. the ones that were lacking. They were the ones where players were having to come across from other positions. And now what this does is Town really do have two players for every single position, if not three in certain areas. And they've got quality cover if anything does happen. I mean, if Hadeja and I had come in earlier, maybe we wouldn't have had to risk Tommy Smith on the opening day. It's one of those where now we know we've got it, we can sort of nail it down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, And David Wagner highlighted that point exactly and said basically that that means his transfer business is done for this window he said that now that he's got cover in all areas he's he's unlikely to go back into the market he said never say never um and we we saw last year uh Tariq Holmes Dennis came in late um so you can't ever say that's it but from what we heard that's all that David Wagner had planned and now from now onwards he'll be reactive in the transfer market rather than actively seeking a player Dean Hoyle knows what Messi's uh, release clause is <laughs> in case he fancies playing for David Wagner. Um, Newcastle, obviously a tough one for you. Mm-hmm. 
one that made us very happy, especially after the conversation we had on last podcast where we debated sort of difference between tactics and whatnot. Newcastle did pretty much what we expected them to, but yeah. I think it highlights just how much better town are this season. Yeah. That with, they, they it, couldn't yeah. live with it. It's with, it's with the additions that they've made. They've added, you know, Aaron Moy scored the goal and obviously they've paid £8 million for him, but town were just better in all areas. They've added the quality that Newcastle haven't. Um, Newcastle are still a side too good for the Championship and not good enough for the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, and from what I saw last last week, I, I fear for Newcastle. I fear for Rafa Benitez leaving as well if he doesn't get the funds. So yeah, but but from a town perspective, you know, it was it, it played out like the game last year, but the quality meant that Newcastle couldn't break through. The only shot, really, the only memorable shot that they had was from Matt Ritchie with an incredible save from Jonas Lossel. So. Yeah, I think I think it just showed how much town have improved and and that they're going to be a team that can get wins in in the Premier League and I think again Rotherham did something similar uh in midweek and they've just town have seemed to stumbled on the knack of winning which is something that you know you can't put a price on in the Premier League. I got the impression speaking to our colleagues from the Chronicle that they were fairly confident in Rafa Benitez's ability to beat David Wagner in, in the tactical battle. And I think that was slightly misguided given what occurred. And I think one thing that this proved to me and, and underlined more than it had done previously was that on occasion you might be able to catch David Wagner unawares once. But if you come with exactly the same game plan a second time in two games running he and his backroom staff are more than smart and adept enough to see what you're going to try and do and change the manner of how they're going to play to counteract that one thing that that town did a lot of which people might might have found frustrating in that game was they played an awful lot of the ball in their own half between themselves and the guy that I go with one of my friends he was essentially saying why don't they try and press forward? Why don't they do that? And that's because of what Newcastle wanted was Town to come forward at every opportunity, catch mm. him on the break. What Town did by slowing the pace of the game, keeping Moy on the ball, Billing on the ball, even the two centre-backs and the full-backs, more than the attacking players, was to force Newcastle to come out and chase the ball rather than just letting the game go dead. And by drawing out that and creating gaps is how within three or four passes, you can get Moy on the ball, pushing mm. forward, play a one-two with Kachunga, and that's where the goal comes from. So it's interesting to see that clearly, and we knew this already, but clearly in a Premier League level as well against a, a manager who, you know, you gave the merits of and, and all of his career highlights last episode, even against people of that level, Wagner's got the ability to transfer his ideas from the training field onto the match and win it. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but I'd also say that Town won it by one goal, and it was a superb goal. You know, the, the play building up to it was was phenomenal, spot on. Great finish from Aaron Moy. That game could have easily been drawn. That's why I would highlight more the quality of what Town had brought in over the Newcastle's, because it was a, a moment of magic from Aaron Moy to find that one-two with Kachunga in the box and then whip it into the far stick. Um, I wouldn't say. I think Town were they were less gun ho when you than when they were when Newcastle came last time. So they didn't just throw everything forward and pour men forward and, and get hit on the counter. Uh but also I would say Newcastle looked blunt going forward. The only spark was that was that Matt Ritchie shot. 
from that, I don't think. You know, Town will come up against probably 18 better teams than that this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I think this weekend's against Southampton would be the one which will interest people more. David Wagner said that he thinks Southampton be a top 10 side this this season. Newcastle are not going to be anywhere near that. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a, a more interesting test of, of Huddersfield Town and David Wagner this weekend. Is The reason why I think most people were interested with that Newcastle one is, is as far as a barometer for Town exists, the fact that they were both challenging each other in the Championship last year and now they've both come up together, it, it's, as you say, it's a yardstick where we can go look how far our club has come mm. compared to them because we spoke a lot about how much Town had been written off even compared to Newcastle and Brighton. They were the ones that were put 20th more often than not. And within two games, people have not apologised, but they've revised that. Yeah, absolutely. I think people have show, have now seen... Uh, people are making assumptions about Town, about how... I don't think... Quite a lot of the pundits, I don't think, saw much of them last year and they just thought, oh, Huddersfield Town, they'll be bottom, you know, Brighton will be down there as well. Newcastle, big club, big name, they'll be fine. Where actually, you're probably looking at the other way around. Personally, I think Brighton will go down. I think Newcastle will be in trouble. But I think Town are the best suited to stay up. So, you know, now people are realising that. If we talk about some of the players specifically, the ones that stood out for me, were Aaron Moy, obviously, who was given man of the match. Christopher Lever, who was phenomenal down the left. I, I think, you know, Atsu and the, their wingers, Richie, are the, the most exciting and most dangerous players for Newcastle. And whenever they were on his side, they had no joy whatsoever. And Christopher Schindler, who, for my money, was the man of the match and gave one of the most complete defensive performances I've seen from not only a town player but I've seen live and I've been to quite a few football matches um, I thought it was phenomenal if we talk about Schindler for a little bit he came last season to the championship looked completely at home, looked like he'd been playing there all his life arguably the best central defender in that league last year not quite the best central defender in the Premier League but he, again he looks like he's been playing there his entire career Absolutely, I I agree with you I think I think he was my man of the match, to be honest. Aaron Moy stood out. He, Aaron Moy dictated the tempo of the game and he scored the goal, but just, just the amount of times Chris Schindler just shut the door on Newcastle and and was winning things in the air, was you know playing out of defence. And there was one one tackle on Iosi uh, Perez, I think, where he crunched him but got the ball fairly, gave it to Aaron Moy. In the and box? This was on sort of halfway line, oh. the centre circle, and he, he sort of, punched the air a bit because it was he was sort of celebrating it as if he'd scored a goal and it was that that's what you get as well as as well as a, an incredible performance you get the drive and the passion and also the leadership on the pitch with him and for my money he he could be one of the the better center backs in the league this year um I would maybe slightly worry if he keeps putting in performances <laughs> like that that another team will come in for him but yeah, an exceptional player and an exceptional leader on the pitch. I can't see him struggling that often this season against that many forwards. Obviously, when the world-class players come along, everyone will have a battle. Even the best defenders in the world struggle against them. That's why they're the best forwards in the world. But against the teams in and around where Town are expected to be, 
And if they're looking to finish this comfortably mid-table, upper mid-table, towards 10th, which is where we both predicted them to finish, mm. I don't see many defenders in that range of the Premier League that are as good technically, athletically, or you know, with how they read the game as, as he is. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's just he's a phenomenal defender, and I think if you asked, judging on the the first two games alone, if you asked any fan of any club in the top in the sort of bottom thirteen teams in the Premier League, I think quite a lot of them would say, yeah, we'll, we'll take Christopher Schindler off your hands. They um, might not yet, but give him a few weeks to put yeah, in a few yeah, more of them yeah, shifts. Exactly. And uh, as it. Uh, he's just one of those players who is going to give you 100% every game and I don't think since I've been here for I've been here for a year now I don't think I've seen him put in a performance under a 7 out of 10 he's just that consistent and that consistently good yeah and more often than not he will take the ball by the horns in defence and lead by example he's not the loudest bloke in the world when you speak to him he's a very politely mannered and very considered in what he says. He's clearly a really intelligent man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of my favourite town players to speak to um, and look at, <laughs> but that's a different matter. Um, but he is somebody that is clearly a prized possession. If Aaron Moy is the face of Huddersfield Town, then Schindler's probably the heart of it. Yeah, and I think it just said, that says something about Huddersfield Town that the core of their their team. Jonas Ossel's proven in the last in the sort of first two games that he's played that he's a really good goalkeeper. Christopher Schindler is a rock at the back. Zanka, we probably need to see a bit more of him because um, I can't really make a decision on him quite yet. Aaron Moy in the heart of midfield, and then Steve Mounier up front, who also looks like a handful. It's just that that spine of the team with whoever else you put in around them, and, and Tan have options to put in around them as well. It it only builds confidence for the future because. You know that that is that is a Premier League spine to a team for me. Loss or save from Matt Ritchie. My seat in the Kilner Bank was directly in the flight of the ball, and I said the word goal because I saw the way it was bending, nothing but side netting, and I don't even think Lossell was in my field of vision at the time. And a split second, sorry, after I said goal, I'm getting that excited thinking about it. He came out of nowhere, and for a big bloke to fly out of nowhere like that was absolutely phenomenal. I don't actually think the the camera angles give that much justice to how good it was because he covered a lot of ground in not a lot amount of time. Yeah, I'd also add to that that he had a, uh, Matt Ritchie took the shot really early, sort of. It was almost no backlift, just tried to bend it into the far corner. And he used a, a town defender as a bit of a screen as well. So for Lossell, he probably saw it pretty late. And for, like you say, for a big man to get his frame across and, and get his fingertips to it like that, especially at nil-nil, because after then, you know, Newcastle are, are inviting town onto them and they're going to hit on the counter a bit more. You know, it was it was an exceptional save and it kept them pretty much in control of the game from then on in. Yeah, it was... As good as a goal, as you would say. The other player I want to touch on, you mentioned him just then, is Zanka. Um, first half was slightly dodgy. He was, I think he's a very confident man, and I think that's a good thing. But he was forcing the issue a little bit with his passing. And I don't think it's a case of him being a bad passer. I don't think his distribution is questionable. I think it was more his decision-making and him getting a bit ahead of himself. There was one or two times where an easy ball on the floor was available to feet 
to either my billing or Smith, and he would go for option D, which was a Piper 50 yarder yeah. of the top. Don't get me wrong, if it works in town and behind, it's fantastic. But each and every time you played that ball, it went straight into touch, and you get away with one or two of them. And then by four or five, it's not only his teammates are getting a bit frustrated with him, the people in the stand are thinking, yeah. come on, lad, what, what's this about? I'd, I'd also say that that you talk about the people in the stand I think that's what he was trying to who he was trying to do it for I think he was you talk about his personality he is a confident man and he's one that obviously had a great relationship with the fans in Copenhagen I think they were all pretty sad to see him go and I think he just he was you know his first game at the John Smith Stadium I think he was maybe a little bit too keen to try and show fans what he could do and to you know he, he wanted to put in a man of, ma- man of the match performance which you know, it is a great thing to to say. Right? I don't like, think it was. My match. I don't think it was coming from a bad place. No, it? yeah, exactly. And and I think, as I said, it, it comes it comes from a good pl- good place. And I think, hopefully, when he calms down and he gets used to it a bit more, he can pick those passes when he needs to, and he won't force the issue, and he'll play it a bit simpler every time. But you know, in fairness to him, actually, when he came out in the second half, somebody clearly had a word with him because there was none of that. Uh, yeah. waste of possession he was very good on the ball very assured in defence did the simple things and showed that if he needs to he can do the simple things it was just unfortunate that when he tried to force the issue it didn't really come off for him and as you say going forwards once that confidence is there once the relationship with the fans is there he will be able to play one or two of those passes and he'll probably get them right yeah I think I think you're right there I think it's obviously a part of his game which he which he's confident in. Um, so hopefully we can see him sort of connect with a few more of them. Um, but as I said before, I think it's just a bit of over overzealousness in front of his uh, his new fans. And, and hopefully when he settles down, we we can see that a bit more a bit more regularly going to a town feet. If we go from the dizzying heights of the Premier League to the the reality of the Carabao Cup, as I think it's now called. Um, draw at 4.15am this morning, was it? Just a ridiculous decision. A ridiculous cup by uh, by most measures. Rotherham at home last night. Uh, I didn't see an awful lot of the game. I've seen the highlights. I didn't manage to get down. It seemed like Town couldn't have started much worse if they tried. <laughs> Coleman was, seemed a bit suspect when that ball came in. Well, I, I was trying to think... I think Town had two touches of the ball before the the ball was in the goal. Um, Actually, if we go back to the season before last, they did better than that. I think Brighton scored after about 18 seconds direct from the kickoff and Huddersfield didn't touch the ball once. So if we think the Rotherham one was bad... Yeah, not quite as bad. Not as quite that. as bad as that Brighton game, I remember. Mm, yeah, it was still pretty terrible. Though, <laughs> it was, this is League One, Rotherham. Yeah. You know, town did well to deal with the first ball. I think maybe one of the things that that was a bit of... It was suspect a little bit last season uh, in that run of games. The first run of games where they sort of stumbled a little bit was they, that they kept conceding from corners. And they did well to to get rid of the first one. And they kind of, I'm not sure if, if everyone went out at the same time or whatever, but no one closed down the, the man for the second ball in. And then there was a queue of Rotherham players lining up to, to nod the ball in the net. And as you say, Coleman was in no man's land. Um, 
although you could blame Joel Coleman for that, I think I think the defenders have to take some of the blame for it. And also Joel Coleman then kept town in it with a great save in the second half. So sort of swings and swings and roundabouts really. Um, but it was that first half was just <laughs> it, it was dire. There was just no sort of movement off the ball for town. They had a fair bit of possession, but it was all around the box. No one making a killer pass. Um, but for me, it all changed at half time when Phil Billing came on. You know, uh, Schindler came off, uh, Whitehead moved into centre back, and, and Phil Billing moved into centre midfield, and it gave town a bit of attacking impetus. And it, it just looked much more fluid. Um, Billing's obviously a player who likes going forward a bit more than Dean Whitehead, and it just gave them a bit of a spark. And, you know, he converted the penalty. Um, pretty well I'm not sure if it was a penalty personally it looked like Depotra was getting his shirt pulled in the area but I don't think it really affected his jump I think the cross there's a still though out. where he's not having his shirt pulled he's being undressed by the Rotherham player so <laughs> fair by enough, the letter then. of the law fair enough yeah uh, I still don't think he was getting to that ball though I think that ball was over here I think you could pretty much have 10 men pulling his shirt and Depotra won't move but it's still a foul yeah yeah well fair enough but from, <laughs> from where I stood it from where I was sat, sorry, it, it looked it, it soft. Looked, yeah, it looked soft. Um, I think a few years ago he may not have got that decision. Um, obviously now you do, and then and then Joe Lolly scored, and Joe Lolly had a superb second half, and, and he was all right in the first half as well. So he loves a goal against Rotherham. Yeah, yeah, and for me he was probably man of the match. I thought he played really well, and it just shows that he's probably you know still got something to offer Town. Um, what was it like seeing the the new players get their first competitive start? I think it was. Malone, um, Depotra. Is there anybody else? John uh, Williams made his debut, but he's not exactly a new player. Yeah, Danny Williams' first start. He came. Danny on. Williams' first start. How was there anyone who particularly stood out? I How thought, was Jordan Williams? I thought Danny Williams was really good. I thought Jordan Williams was also excellent in the first half. The Williams um, brothers. The, yeah, the Williams <laughs> twins. But um, no, they were they both stood out in the first half, especially. And they were linking linking up together pretty nicely, actually. And uh, sort of Danny Williams coming short, and then Jordan Williams on the overlap. Um, so yeah, it was it was good to see. They, in the second half, neither of them had that much to do because the ball was a bit more sort of forward in the Rotherham in the Rotherham part. But what they did, they did really well. Lauren Depotra ran the channels well. I was just a bit at half time. I was disappointed because I think I felt a bit sorry for Depotra because he kept having to come short. And it meant that no one was getting uh, like beyond him anyway. So he was holding the ball up really well, waiting for the teammates to come, giving it off to one of them. And then it just wasn't really breaking for him. He wasn't found in the box once. Where the penalty came from was where they were actually looking for him in the box. Um, and I think, I think next time he plays, whenever that might be, just get the ball in the area to him a bit more. It doesn't have to be first time. It doesn't have to be this and that. But when you're on the wing... It was too much sideways and backwards and forwards, especially in the first half against Rotherham. When you've got Laurent de Potter in the middle, just just stick it in because even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't bury it, he's going to challenge the defender. The defender might make a mistake, and there's going to be someone else there mopping up. Second ball, yeah. Um, John Williams specifically, youth product, very exciting. How did Wagner seem with his uh, performance? Yeah, very pleased he was, um, and. I, I can see why because he, he played really well. He looked like he'd been in that team for a while. Um, I think that's what probably the you know they're trying to bed that system into the academy, and I think that's probably paying off now. Um, why do you think there was 
if there has been or if there will be, is there any reluctance to promote him to the senior side at all? Or was it just a, only giving him this chance because it was the cup rather than, for example, if Smith was more hurt playing him against Palace? We spoke about this at the press conference today. David Wagner said that he thought he was Jordan Williams was too good for the under-23s under but not Premier League material at the minute. Um, so he'd rather send him out on loan somewhere. He said league football. So I imagine, to be honest, from, from his performance, I think he could play probably championship. Being 17, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for League One, League Two first and try and build him up. Maybe do, give him two seasons out on loan first in league one next in the championship and then he's ready to play for Huddersfield Town senior but no he, he played really well and, and I think David Wagner's got him in mind but he's got a he, he's got an idea of how he wants to build him and how he wants to, to progress him as a player obviously with the draw at Cracker Dawn this morning even if it was probably before the Cracker Dawn middle of the night let's call a spade a spade um, Crystal Palace away again uh, back to Sellers Park they're obviously going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder I don't mm. think De Boer's going to be too entertained with how his tenure started um, and they'll be gunning for town yeah I think they will be I think it will depend on what their what their results are like going forward they've lost two now they've lost to town and lost to Liverpool last week Um I would worry for them if I think there's is there two or three games between now and the the next round of the cup. Yeah, two. Um, there's an international break. Coming yeah, up as international well. break as well. So I would worry for them if they. I'd worry, for, sorry, for Frank de Boer if they lose their next two as well, um, because then you start to lose the players and the players start to lose confidence in what you're trying to do as a boss. Um, as you say, they'll be going gunning for town because town sort of humiliated them really on the first day of the season they just outplayed them in, in every part of the, the game um, so yeah it, it set up to be to be a good game I still fancy Town to win because they were so dominant the first time yeah I mean if they're the thing with Palace is that he's already come out and said that he's not going to change the style of football mm -hmm. he plays so the result is probably going to be dependent on just how quickly they learn to play that football yeah. and what teams are put out. If Palace put out a first team and Town play the team that played against Rotherham, then you imagine Palace probably have the advantage. If it's both second teams against each other, then anyone's game again. Yeah, well, it, it, I think it'll be a different prospect coming up because they've got this international break. It gives them a bit more time to, to try out the system. Um, which is why I think I'm putting a bit more stress on the games because you know you go into the international break if you then lose as soon as you come back the confidence must be shot immediately and for Frank de Boer to have to come out and say we're not going to change the style already just two games into the Premier League season it doesn't bode well if you're a Palace fan If we move back into league football we have Southampton at home this Saturday is it 3pm kickoff? Correct, yeah. A rarity in the Premier League. Yeah. Saturday, three pm kickoff at home. Town of the big money draw on TV now, aren't they? <laughs> um, I'm quite excited for this one because we were talking about Crystal Palace, but um, in my mind, Southampton are essentially a better version of Crystal Palace. They're not going to be a team that come to 
town and look to sit. There will be two teams out there trying to play football. Southampton have a new manager. They have slightly new ideas, but it's a variation on a theme rather than a completely new identity, as is the case at Palace. They seem quite well organised. Um, the results have been okay. They're not going to set the world alight, but they're a competent club and well run in a similar fashion to town. Mm-hmm. So I think out of all the matches town have played in the Premier League so far, this might be the most evenly balanced. True. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with that. I don't think Southampton are going to be the force that some people think they might be this season. Dave Wagner said he thought they were going to be top 10. I don't think they're going to be top 10. I think there's. If you think what top 10 is in this Premier League at the moment, I think West Brom were top 10 last year. So Yeah, but West Brom are, West Brom are a harder opposition to play for me than, than Southampton. I think, I think Southampton's results so far, although they've got four points, they've got four points against Swansea and West Ham, who have, you know, Swansea are going to be relegation candidates. West Ham have started horrendously. I West Ham have got a horrendous manager. I wouldn't go with that. I like Slavin Bilic. I think he's. I you th- might like him as a man, but he doesn't no, know I his think, from his elbow. I think he's all right as a manager. He proved it when when Payet was scoring all the goals and the confidence. Yeah, but was when up they had the a world class player. He was... Yeah, but one world class player can't win you that many Premier League games. For me, it can when the rest of the teams as bad as they are. No, I disagree with that. I think Huddersfield finish higher than West Ham do this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. but Because I'm, they have a better manager. Well, I would also say the players aren't great. How can you spend £20 million on Andre Ayew? That's beyond well, me. Well, he signs off on them, doesn't he? So it's as much as his own fault. Yeah, this is would, this conversation say, for another day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, West Ham are coming up, so we can have this debate before the yeah, West Ham game. Um, but with Southampton, continue. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, was, I, I just don't think they're going to be the force, I think. I think there's only so far you can get by selling your best players every year and bringing in a new manager more or less every year as well. And I think at some point it's going to catch up with you. I don't think it'll be this season where it'll catch up with them, but I think they're going to be weaker than they were last year. Um, And last year they probably didn't win as many games as maybe people thought they should have done. Um, And I, I fancy time to get a result this weekend. I'm slightly more inclined to to be kinder to Southampton. I still think Town will win, mm-hmm. but I'm kinder to them because I, I have an enormous amount of respect for how that club works. Given the factory of talent they've got there, given the fact that they have more often than not coped with losing key talent and have replaced it competently, both with on the field and with management and even in scouting, <laughs> you know, they've... That club is poached more often than most. And some clubs would fold in on themselves if that was the case, and they haven't. Um, I think that is uh, not something for, for Huddersfield to copy, but it's something for Huddersfield to be aware of growing themselves as a club is how Southampton have managed to almost future-proof themselves away from being too stuck with one person and one identity because we've discussed it already with the likes of Schindler and we all know how popular David Wagner is in in footballing circles. So it does seem inevitable that uh, not them leaving but them being given the opportunity to. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that is, if Town continue on in this fashion for the rest of the Premier League season, 
those offers are going to be on the table and, and Town have to be able to cross that bridge when they come to it with some idea of what's on the other side rather than doing so blindly. Because the difference is, on one side of it, you've got what Southampton do. On the other side of it, you can use West Ham as another example. They lost Pye and they've not replaced him and their club's a mess and Southampton's isn't. I can I can see your point and I, I do agree with it. I, I agree that Southampton have they've they've done really well to scout the way they have to bring through their own players. That the second part of that, bringing through your own players, that is something that Huddersfield Town seriously need to look at. And I think it's something that, that Dean Hoyle has highlighted in the past, his his desire to bring youngsters it like in through through the academy and into the first team. That's for any Premier League club, doesn't matter if you're Chelsea or if you're Huddersfield Town, that is something which every club personally I think should be doing and it's something that most of them are doing now Um, but I I understand that that teams have to sell their best players I I completely understand that some clubs are selling clubs but I think you've got to have a bit more I I don't to sell your best players every, every season at some point as good as your scouting network might be you're going to have a lean year and it depends how lean that year gets because if Southampton, you know, if they sell, I don't know, Van Dyke and lose, you know, Ward Prowse or and Dusan Tadic or something like that, or Gabby Adini goes, if they all go in a summer, which, you know, that's happened in the past with Liverpool pinching pretty much all their players when they first came up. I think it'd be cheaper for Liverpool to buy the club. At this yeah, point. exactly. <laughs> but if that happens again, whatever season it is, there's going to be one year where your scouting doesn't work. And they might bring in one player who works to replace the others, but then the others, the the other ones that they bring in aren't quite as good. And you know, at, at some point, it's going to catch up with you. In, from my perspective. So, what does that mean for Huddersfield <laughs> this weekend? Then, do you think with Southampton still trying to find their feet under a new manager, with turnover of players and things, it's a good time to play them? Yes, I think it is. I think it's a good time to play them. The one thing I would. The one player I, I would be a bit wary of is James Ward-Prowse. I think his delivery from corners and from free kicks is exceptional. And I think that's something that maybe Southampton will look to try and, and, and sort of better town on, especially with town conceding from a sort of a ball into the box um, this midweek. Um, but having said that, I think... I think Southampton are there for the taking. I think under a new manager, it's always going to take a bit of time. Um, so yeah, if I had to guess, it, if I had to predict the score now, I'd, I'd say Town two 0 win, reasonably comfortable. I asked um, Sam Ty, who's been on the podcast before, a Bleacher Report about Southampton. He writes about the club for their club program, mm-hmm. um, and he said what Pellegrino is trying to do is make them really fast when they win the ball in a similar manner to Huddersfield, but they prioritise full-backs overlapping and wing play more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be another test for Lerva, who we've sung the praise of already, and Tommy Smith. And um, it's going to be interesting to see who plays on the wings, because Tomins has shown that he can defend on the wing, Van Der has shown that yeah. as well. Um, it might be one where Palmer drops to the bench again, or given that he played midweek as well, coming off the yeah. bench. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Wagner scouted that and how he looks to 
to tackle that because it's a similar conversation again to we that we had before Crystal Palace given their attacking talents down the wing. They don't quite play the same three five two with defined full backs and wing backs, but Bertrand and Cedric are gonna be flying regardless. Yeah. Um I think Town will line up exactly the same as they did against Newcastle. I think you know, you made made a case with Van Para. I think Tomins is, is better defensively. Um as you say, they like to attack down the wing, so I don't see the the problem in in playing Moy and Billing together again in midfield. And you know, I think you just if you're David Wagner, you back your fullbacks and you back your wingers to help him because you know Kachunga and Smith have a great understanding down that side. I think what I've seen of Tom Inson and Chris Lerver playing together on the left has also been pretty good. And and you know Steve Mounier up front, what can you say about him? I think I think Casey Palmer will start as well. Um, but yeah, I, who can you see dropping out then, Kachunga? No, Kachunga will start. Kachunga on the right, Ince on the left, Palmer down the middle. So Van der Parra on the bench. Yeah, Van der Parra on the bench, yes. Um, just because I think Ince gives you a bit more defensively. Okay. Um, I think that Van der Parra will start and I think Palmer will go to the bench. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's flip of the coin really between yeah, the two. I just think if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That makes sense. He said in the press conference today that the new lads aren't likely to be ready in time, so it's not as if yeah, we've got yeah. to consider them. Um, you've already given your score prediction. I think Town will win. I don't want to give a score prediction because they're usually wrong. Um, 10-0 Huddersfield. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if they lose 10-0 now, I'm going to be crucified. Um Listener questions. We had one in from Neil Bussey, who was asking about uh, Sabiri. There's been a lot of talk on social media from the Nuremberg fans about his character. He went on strike to force them the move through. Not sure that says an awful lot about him. That seems to be the done thing nowadays, just to make sure you don't get injured before a move. Everyone does it pretty much. Um, he says that is it seemed a bit petulant. Um, is there a renegade quality to him? Uh, and is he likely to start? And if not, will there be any disruptions? He's obviously only been at the club two minutes, so we don't know him as a man yet. We can only get the impressions of him from what we've seen and what we've heard. Obviously, the Nuremberg fans are going to have their knickers in a twist somewhat because they've lost a player they really mm-hmm. wanted to keep. Um, so I'm not sure how seriously we can take their testimony, given that you know you see fan bases all the time, how fickle they can be. Mm-hmm. They'll turn on you depending on where you belong, really. Um, so I'm I'm not sure I'd put too much credence in that. But what have you made of him in the short time he's been at the club already? And, and more specifically about starting, how do you see his competition with Palmer going? As you say, I'm not I'm not going to speak about his time in Nuremberg because it's, it's, he's not a player that I've particularly followed. Bundesliga 2 is not one of my passions particularly. <laughs> um, but from what I've seen in uh, Huddersfield Town, he seems like a guy who's, who's up for a laugh. Um, I think I mentioned it before, but signing autographs for two hours on you know when you haven't even played a game for the club that shows someone who who wants to make a good impression, um, and I think that's something that David Wagner will, will hold in in high regard. Um, it goes a lot of way with the fans as well to do that sort of a thing. I mean, not that there are any players at Huddersfield that do it, but it's not uncommon to see Premier League footballers stick their headphones on and put their head down and walk on and you know don't really interact where they don't have to. Mm-hmm. 
but the fact that he's gone out of his way already to try and make a good first impression, I think, speaks volumes about his character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, that's, you know, I think it's, as you say, it's something that the fans are going to really appreciate. And, uh, and I think as well, he will feel the fan appreciation because of it. Um, so, yeah, and uh, whether he'll start, he, he's not starting, he's not going to be involved this weekend, David Wagner alluded to at the press conference, but I think he'll push he'll push Casey Palmer all the way and it's something that was needed really because although Tomins can play in the number 10 role, David Wagner keeps saying that he wants two players from each position and this this means that there is two players from each position as well as a number of other people that can play in, in other positions also. So, you know, it, it's a signing that makes sense for me from what I've seen of him. He looks like a, a decent enough guy and, and hopefully he can sort of replicate that on the pitch as well. One thing I'm quite excited to see, um, having got some sort of impression of how he plays, is his relationship with Mooney because Mooney's fantastic in the air and if there's a number 10 who can go beyond him and break the line ahead of him using Mooney when he drops deep as almost a shield and a decoy runner, I think that might be a fantastic addition to the town attack and, and something that Palmer's not as good at because he plays a little bit deeper and he's got different strengths. I think Sabiri might be a more naturally talented goal scorer in that sense. Yeah, I think I think what David Vaughan has done this season is, is add goals to the team. And I think that's definitely what he's going to be looking at by signing another number 10. And I think what he's done also is that he's got two players from for every position, but he's got two players in every position that play slightly differently in that position. So you've got Tom Ince and Van Lepara both play on the left. Pretty different players, really. Tom Ince is, is much more direct. Rajiv Van Lepara likes to, you know, he's a bit more tricky, maybe. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, and then, and then you know, on the right, Colin Quader and Elias Kachunga couldn't be op- more opposite if they tried. And up front as well, Mooney, Wells, the Potter. Yeah, exactly. So it's... It, it, with Casey Palmer and, and Sabiri as well, hopefully it'll be two players who play differently, but who will be able to unlock different defences with using the attributes they have. Horses for courses when it comes to absolutely yeah. opposition. No, I think that's a great point. Um, I think that's everything. I don't think there's nothing we've missed, is there? Nothing from the club so. or anything? No. Transfer business line underneath that. Done everything. and dusted, more or less, yeah. Perfect. Um, as I said at the start, we'll be back on Tuesday, discuss the Southampton game. Preview, well, no, West Ham is on... The Monday, Monday Night Football. So we're playing Saturday, Monday? We're playing Saturday, which is the... Southampton game. 25th? Yeah. Saturday, 25th, then international break. Oh, so there's an international break? Monday, the 11th. Oh, that's fine. So West Ham isn't going to be this Monday, it'll be the Monday no, after. Monday after, yeah. That's fine. So we will just talk about Southampton and international football and whatnot. Yes. And your holidays, mate. <laughs> I wish it was a holiday. Uh, please buy this book because I've spent so much time writing it. Um, I won't be. <laughs> you, there's all the old episodes on iTunes. Subscribe and rate us and leave comments and everything. Apparently that helps. It makes us feel better about ourselves. Um, B52, don't forget, go on there. Just pay shipping, save £24 or £19, whatever the difference is. Get some nice beers, code Huddersfield, company simpler. Um, and that's everything. Thanks very much for your time, Rory. I'll speak to you on Tuesday. Yep, speak to you then. Ik vind een punt van 2GB, stiekem meer dan genoeg. 
Nu 2 gig data met een 0 minuten bel- en sms-bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.